Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537 is the voicemail number. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com is the email address. And Ratchet Book Club is how you can find us on Twitter. So, we're on chapter two of the cartel. Um, and I just want to say... For starters that these chapters are kind of thick so it may end up just being one chapter per episode it might end up being two chapters but it's not going to be three chapters if i keep talking so with no further ado let's get started chapter two their strength in numbers and we'll get through this as a family polo polo took a deep breath as he pulled into the south beach one of the many suburbs of miami as he looked around at the perfectly landscaped lines and the children playing carelessly in the streets, he realized why Carter had moved his family so far away from the hood. With its gated communities and million-dollar structures, it seemed as if it was a million miles away from the grid of the ghetto. Carter, positive that the upscale environment of South Beach would protect his household from the harsh reality that the street life had to offer, had told him that the move would be good for his family, but he was wrong. Now Polo was forced to bury his man. Polo and Carter had known each other since they were young and hard-headed coming up in the trenches of Dade County. They quickly formed a brotherly bond as they took over the streets and inevitably entered the drug game. The cartel was what they were labeled, a notorious, criminal-minded organization that was willing to stay on top by any means necessary. Carter and Polo had put in work for many years and worked hard to surround themselves with thoroughbreds that respected the hustle of the streets as much as they did. They earned money, power, and respect. Polo set Carter up. I'm pretty, this is me talking. I'm just talking. Chapter two, I'm just making the guess. This is all Polo's fault. Polo set this all up because they both run this far, this long, and Carter's been in control, and Polo don't like that shit. That is, until the Haitians from Little Haiti discovered the money that was being made and tried to muscle them out of town. Carter's demise proved to Polo that the Haitians weren't to be taken lightly. He just hated that it took the death of their leader to figure that out. Nobody was untouchable. Now he had a nagging pain in his heart and the stress of retaliation on his brain, but he knew that his hurt didn't compare to that of Carter's family. When he pulled into the driveway to the 10-room, 7,000-square-foot home, he prepared himself for the heartache that he was about to encounter. Polo personally made sure that Carter's wife and children were taken care of. He knew that they would be okay financially, but he was determined to ensure their safety. No expense was spared when it came to the security of their family. 
There were about ten armed henchmen stationed outside the home, and he acknowledged them with a nod as he passed by and walked into the diamond home. Unc Poe! Mecca slapped hands with his father's best friend. Polo could tell that Carter's death was weighing heavily on his heart by the sad look in Mecca's eyes. Polo then turned to Monroe and pulled him near as well. He held them close, his arms wrapped around their shoulders. All three men had their heads down. Polo told him, I know it doesn't feel like it right now, but it's going to be alright, you hear me? Tears formed in Money's eyes. He nodded his head, praying that his uncle Polo was right. Polo whispered in their ears, You both have to be strong for your mother and Breeze. This is going to hit them the hardest. You know how protective your father was of them. It's time to step up to the plate, twins. You got to pull your family back together. Both boys nodded in agreement as they quickly wiped the tears from their eyes. Having been trained by their father to never show emotion, they knew that the cry was to show weakness. <clears throat> Where are your mother and sister? They're still upstairs, Money stated. Polo ascended the steps two at a time. He approached the bodyguard that he had hired to stand by Taryn's side. Fuck you doing? He whispered harshly. The bodyguard quickly snapped his cell phone shut, but before he could safely put it in his pocket, Polo slapped it out of his hands. Do I fucking pay you to talk on your cell phone? Polo pointed his finger in the man's face. It didn't matter he was only five foot eight, and that the bodyguard was 270 pounds of pure muscle. How the fuck you supposed to protect anyone when you focus on your fucking phone? Matter of fact, get your ass out of here. Put somebody on this job that want to make this money, you pussy. The man didn't even protest as Polo lifted his Steve Madden and kicked him in the ass toward the staircase. He looked over the landing and yelled, Mecca, show that motherfucker the door and bring one of them niggas up to take this shit seriously. Polo fixed his clothes and wiped himself down before he knocked lightly on Terrence's door. Come in, she called out. It's open. Taryn looked as beautiful as ever standing in front of the full-length mirror in her white-on-white Dolce suit that fit nicely around her slim frame, the skirt stopping directly below her knee and hugging her womanly shape. Her neck was framed with rare black pearls that matched the pearl set that clung to her ears. Her long, layered hair was pulled back into a sophisticated bun. She spared herself of applying makeup because she knew eventually her tears would ruin it anyway. Her natural beauty was enough to take Miss America's crown, and her Dominican features made her look more like a mature model than a mother of three. Taryn, it's time to go, Polo stated as he stood in her doorway. She nodded her head and closed her eyes as she said a silent prayer to God. Please give me the strength to get through this for my children. They're all I have left. Take my husband into grace and take care of him until we meet again. Why do these niggas always think the drug dealers are going to heaven? I mean, if there's three people who are on a beeline bus train to hell, it's murderous drug dealers, stockbrokers, <laughs> and that person who tailgates you with their high beams on. No, but seriously, drug dealers are on that list. And I mean you too, old white people who are now selling weed legally, but put niggas in jail for years. I see you. Okay, let's go, she said, trying to hide the shakiness in her voice. She walked out of the room and down the hallway to her daughter's room. Breeze, she said as she opened the door. It's time. I, I don't think I can do this, Breeze stated, tears running down her cheeks. It was obvious that she had been crying for hours because her eyes were red and swollen. 
The distress from her father's murder was written all over her young face. It was almost as if her legs gave out from underneath her because she fell onto the bed and put her head in her hands. Taryn and Polo rushed to her side. Polo knew the breeze would take her father's death the hardest. His only daughter, she was his pride and joy, and he had treated her like a princess since the day she was born. Breeze could do no wrong in his eyes, and they had shared a special connection all her life. I can't believe he's gone, Breeze stated. She felt as if the life was being squeezed out of her. I can't do this, Uncle Poe. She dreaded putting her father to rest. Never in her 19 years she felt the pain so great. Taryn embraced her daughter as they sat side by side, cheek to cheek. I know that you can't do this, but we can, she stated. There's a strength in numbers, and we will get through this as a family. So either this nigga Polo gonna steal her line to say it to the cartel later on, or, yeah, that's all that's gonna happen. Like, you just swagger jacking her lines to her daughter to console her in her time of need? Okay, dude, cool. We know you killed him now. I'm certain of it. it that's all it took. <sighs> Polo was speechless as Terrence's words moved him. It was then that he realized that Carter was truly a lucky man to have a woman such as her by his side. He left the room and descended the steps. He waited in the foyer with Mecca and Monroe, and when the two women came down the stairs, they all walked out the house together. The limo ride was silent as each member of the family tried to wrap their minds around the death of their patriarch. He was the one who protected them, fed them, clothed them, loved them, made all their decisions. He was their educator and best friend. So without him, they all felt lost. Dear Carter, I know you don't know me, but I know you very well. So let me tell you about the feelings I feel for you when I try or make some sort of attempt. I simp. Damn, I wish I wasn't such a wimp. I'm sorry. That's far side, and that's exactly what this red light. Dear Carter, I know you don't know me, but I know you very well. You're my husband's son. I've thought about you countless times. If you're anything like your father, I could picture your dark chocolate skin, strong jawbone, and wide, soul-searching eyes. I wish that I could have written you under better circumstances, but I'm not contacting you to deliver good news. My husband, your father, has left this earth. He was killed, and although you don't know him, I want to give you a chance to say your goodbyes. His funeral will be held Saturday, June 3rd, 2008. I hope that you will join us in celebrating his life. Everyone's expected to dress in white attire. He wouldn't want us to mourn his death but to come together as a family and appreciate his life. I know that's how he would have wanted to go out. Sincerely, Taryn Diamond. Carter folded the letter up and put it in the pocket of his Armani suit jacket. He had received the letter a week ago and was debating whether or not he should actually go to his father's funeral. He had never known his father, never even heard his voice. Why am I here? He thought in confusion as he looked at his reflection in the mirror. His designer suit was tailored specifically to his six-foot frame, and his broad, strong shoulders held the material nicely. A small gold chain hung around his neck, displaying a small gold cross. Checking his watch, he realized that he didn't have much time to get to the church. He reached underneath the hotel bed and pulled out a duffel bag that contained pure white cocaine and two handguns. He figured he might as well drop off some dope to some of his people in Atlanta while in the dirty south. 
That way, if the funeral ended up being a waste of time, he wouldn't have wasted time and money coming to town. He pulled out his chrome 4-5 and tucked it in his waist. He rubbed the waves on his freshly cut Caesar and took a deep breath. He had to prepare himself for what he was about to do. He had felt resentment towards his father ever since he was a young boy. He had never understood why he had grown up never knowing the man that helped create him. Although he harbored these feelings, he still felt obligated to show his respects. A nervous energy filled his body as he headed for the door. It was time for him to say goodbye to a man he had never met. As the bulletproof limousine pulled up to the church, Carter's henchman walked up and surrounded the vehicle. Leave your guns in the car, Polo instructed Money and Mecca. He opened the door and prepared to step out. Mecca told him, The heater's standing on my hip, Unc. Them dreadhead motherfuckers dead in my father. I'll be damned if they do the same thing to me. He popped the clip into the chamber. First, I'm going to tell you to respect your mother and watch your motherfucking mouth, Mecca. Nah. Mecca's right, Uncle Poe, Money said. We need to be strapped at all times. Polo put his foot back in the car and closed the door so their conversation wouldn't be heard. Okay, listen. He looked around the shaking Diamond family. I know this is hard for you, but you have to trust me. Your father was like a brother to me. I love this family as if it was my own. I would never let anything happen to any of you. Now, I promised the pastor I wouldn't bring any weapons into his church. Your father's funeral is neither the place nor the time for him. Everyone inside that church is here to show love. Mecca and Money reluctantly pulled their guns out of their pants and set them on the seat of the limo. Everything will be fine, Polo assured them. He stepped out of the car first and held out his hand for Taryn, who graciously accepted. He put his hand on the small of her back and led her through a crowd of onlookers, and her children followed closely behind. They were all surrounded by so many bodyguards, one would have thought that Barack Obama was entering the building. White on top of white was the only thing that could be seen when entering the sanctuary. Everyone attending the funeral was clad in their best white suits, and there were white bouquets of lilies and hydrangea flowers scattered throughout the room. The turnout was unbelievable. Taryn immediately halted their footsteps when she saw the titanium and black casket that sat at the front of the church. She looked around the room and observed the extravagant funeral that she had put together, making sure to take care of each arrangement personally. No one knew her husband the way that she did, and she wanted to make sure that his funeral was comparable to none. Carter Diamond was the best at everything he had ever attempted, so Taryn made sure that he went out in style. She slowly walked down the aisle. The closer she got to her husband's casket, the weaker her knees became, but she had to be strong. She couldn't let the world see her break. My children are depending on me, she thought. When she finally reached the casket, her heart broke into pieces at the sight of her lifeless soulmate lying before her. She reached down, grabbed his hand, and kissed his cheek. She whispered, I will always love you, Carter. Always. She then turned with the poise of royalty and took her position on the front pew as the first lady of the streets. I don't want to laugh at that. But the First Lady of the Streets just sounds like a rap album. Title? Like, I feel like Eve was the... No, she was the First Lady of Rough Rider. Okay, sorry. Sorry. 
Mecca's heart beat wildly in his chest. He had never imagined what he would do if something ever happened to his father. He prided himself on being strong and fearless, but there was no way that he could be strong now. The sudden loss of Carter made him fear death. I guess he wasn't the prince of the streets. He stepped down the aisle and gripped the sides of his father's casket when he saw his ashen face. The glow that his dark skin had once possessed was gone, and his eyes were sunk in. He felt the swell of water in his eyes cloud his vision. He closed his eyes that hindered them from falling. He picked the tiny cross necklace off his chest and kissed it. It was a chain that Carter had given all of his children the day that he had brought them home from the hospital. 14 carat. Gold cross to hang around their neck. Ooh, first typo. Okay, so that was supposed to be... Uh, it was a chain that Carter had given all his children the day that he had brought them home from the hospital. 14 carat gold cross to hang around their neck. But they put a period in between 14 carat and gold crosses. So I paused because that's the rule. Not going to be fooled again by y'all. Nope. The chain had been changed over the years, but the cross was still the original. The children all valued their chains with their lives. Mecca walked over to his mother and sat beside her, trying to keep his emotions at bay. Monroe stepped towards the casket next. He thought of all the times his father had spent with them. He knew that he needed to absorb all the Carter that he could because it's the last time he would ever see him again. He gripped his father's hand and leaned in close to his ear, as if he could still hear him, and said, Thank you for everything, Papa. I'll remember everything that you taught me. I'll never forget you. With those words, Money joined his brother and mother. Breeze graced the church aisle as if it was a runway. All eyes were on her as she paused mid-step. She knew that her life had been changed forever. Her papa, comparable to none, was a man of her dreams, and she didn't want to let him go. She stepped up to the casket and she fought to keep the pain under control. But as soon as she touched his cold skin, she lost it. Against her will, a small cry escaped her lips, and a fountain of tears cascaded down her precious face. She leaned over her father, gripping his hand, and silently prayed for God to take care of his soul. The sight of her so broken down caused the attendees to break down as well. Her collapse signaled the collapse of the entire church, and wailing could be heard throughout. Mecca went to her side to get her to let go of Carter's hand. Come on, B. He gently rubbed her hair and lifted her head. Don't hold your head down. Papa wouldn't have that. He smiled at her gorgeous face, and she gave him a weak nod of agreement as she finally left her father's casket and went with the rest of the family to sit down. Just as the pastor took its place at the podium, the church doors clanged open. Gasps rang out throughout the church as all eyes focused on the young man who stood in the doorway. Speculative whispers traveled throughout the pews as everyone watched the young man walk down the aisle. From his skin tone to his confident stride and striking features, he was identical to the man they were there to bury. And one would be able to guess without reading the tattooed name on his neck that he was Carter Diamond's son. It was almost unnatural, the resemblance the two shared. Mecca's eyes followed the man as he approached the front of the church. Fuck is that? he hissed. The nigga looks just like Papa, Money commented in amazement. Mommy? Breeze looked at her mother. But Taryn needed no explanation. She knew exactly who the young man was. He was Carter Jones, 
her husband's illegitimate son. Polo leaned into her and whispered, Taryn, I have something to tell you. Carter didn't mean to. Without taking her eyes off the young man, she said, Don't worry about it, Polo. No need for you to explain. I know who he is. Nigga, you just now waiting to tell her about, hey, you know, now that he's dead, there's a good chance that a little nigga that looks just like him wearing a cross that your husband gave him might just show up at the church for his funeral. I just want to warn you. Oh, you already wrote him a letter? Cool, 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 cool. Carter felt the questioning glares of people surrounding him. He stopped in the middle of the church and stared at the casket up front. His heartbeat was so rapid that he felt sick to his stomach. I shouldn't be here, he thought. Just as he turned to leave, four men with long dreadlocks entered the room. They were the only ones wearing black. Carter frowned at their blatant disrespect. They bumped him violently as they walked past, but Carter let it ride and turned his head and watched them continue down the aisle. Mecca's temper was immediately flared. He reached in his waistline for a pistol that wasn't there. Fuck, he whispered as he began to stand. Polo grabbed his arm to halt him. Wait a minute, he stated. This is a part of the gang. Polo didn't expect the Haitians to make their presence felt at the funeral. He had underestimated their coldness. The church was silent as everyone waited to see how things would play out. It was no secret that the Haitians were responsible for Carter's death. The dreadheads walked up to the casket and stood silently with their heads down, as if they were in prayer. Taryn gripped her son's hands and let out a sigh of relief. See, Polo said, they're only here to represent the Haitians. They're just showing respect for the deceased. We gonna handle that, just not here. Before the words can reach Taryn's ears, she was in an uproar as she watched the Haitians hock up huge gobs of spit and release them on her husband's body, defiling Carter's corpse. <coughs> Breeze watched in disbelief as the Haitians raised their feet and forcefully kicked the casket off the table, causing the body to roll out onto the floor. Carter's head hit the floor hard, causing a loud crack to pierce their air and the attendees gasped in horror. Polo, Mecca, and Monroe sprung into action, with the rest of the cartel behind them. Papa! Bree shouted as she rushed towards the front of the church to retrieve her father's corpse from the floor. Taryn yelled in alarm, Breeze! as she watched her daughter head toward the mayhem. Suddenly, bullets from an AK echoed throughout the church. Tat, 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 tat! Little flashes of fire kissing the air and was followed by the sound of people screaming and running for the exit. Breeze didn't care about the gunfire. She just wanted to get to her father. But before she could reach him, one of the Haitian gunmen snatched her up. Taryn yelled, Breeze! Carter looked in horror at the front of the church. He recognized the young girl from pictures that he had been sent when he was younger. She's my sister, he thought as he pulled out his forefight without hesitation. He stood up and scrambled to get between the screaming people as he aimed his gun to release one shot. His bullet hit his intended target, and the man holding Breeze dropped instantly. Carter's clip was quickly emptied as the gun battle continued. He was clearly outnumbered, but that didn't stop him from reaching in his ankle holster and pulling out his 9mm pistol as the three remaining Haitians shot recklessly, clearing a path to leave the church. Using his natural instinct for survival, he picked up the body of the dead Haitian and wrapped his arm around his neck, 
putting him in a chokehold from behind. The dead weight was heavy, but it was the only way to shield his body from the bullets being sent his way. Carter yelled, Y'all niggas want to clap? And shot his nine with one hand while moving towards the Haitians who were now headed for the door. Carter's gun spit hollow points towards the Haitians as the dead body in front of him absorbed his enemy's fire. Pow! Pow! Just as he reached the exit door, one of the Haitians yelled, Me going to kill you, motherfucker! And the three remaining Haitians made a run for it. Carter continued to shoot until he was sure they left the building. Once he was positive that everyone was safe, he dropped the dead Haitian on the floor and let off his last round into his skull. Bitch, nigga! He hocked up a huge glob and spat directly into the dead man's face, returning the favor on behalf of his dead father. He rushed over to Breeze's side. Rocking back and forth, she was holding on to her father's dead body and crying hysterically. Are you okay? He asked. Get the fuck away from her. We don't know you, motherfucker. Mecca stated harshly as he pulled Breeze off the ground. Her head fell into his chest as he walked her away. Polo looked around at the carnage inside the sanctuary. A couple of people had been injured, and the church was destroyed. We gotta get the fuck out of here, Polo stated. How'd they get in? Polo yelled in anger. He patted the young Carter on the back. Come on, let's go before the police show. Follow me back to your father's house. A look of surprise crossed Carter's face. Yeah, I know you're his son, but right now that's the least of my worries. Just follow me back to the house. We need to talk. With those words, Polo escorted the family out of the church, and they darted inside the limo. The Haitians had sent a clear message. They were out for blood, and they weren't going to stop until the cartel was out of commission. I don't even care. I don't. I don't. That nigga Polo did this, and Carter Jones is going to end up taking over. Yeah. It's Polo's fault. <laughs> Chapter 3 Brother or not, next time homeboy stuck to me like that, I'm going to rock his ass to sleep. Young Carter. Also, they didn't have Polo make that statement anywhere in Chapter 2. So, yeah, I'm just going to say that they took words that they literally wrote. They literally wrote words for Taryn. And so Polo said it. So it's either a typo or... Huh, they just making Polo seem like he ain't shit on accident. Chapter 3 Brother or not, next time homeboy stuff to me like that, I'ma rock his ass to sleep. Young Carter The Carter family sat in the living room along with Polo and Young Carter. Oh, I'ma get sick of calling him Young Carter. The room was quiet. No one knew what to say. Taryn and Breeze's eyes were puffy because of all the crime they had been doing. The horrific images of their loved one being kicked out of his casket haunting their thoughts. Mecca's Armani shoes thumped the marble floor as he paced the room back and forth, totally enraged, twin Desert Eagle handguns in his hands. The Haitians had shown the ultimate sign of disrespect and were sending a clear message that they were trying to take over Miami. In fact, it was Carter's decision to not cut the Haitians in on this operation that ultimately led to his assassination. Polo stood up and slowly walked to the window. He looked in the front and saw henchmen, all strapped, scattered around the house to ensure their safety. With the Haitians' merciless tactics, he didn't underestimate them. He saw the fire in Mecca's eyes and tried to calm them. 
We have to keep our heads on straight. These niggas are going hard at us. The cartel still runs Miami. Remember that. We have to retaliate to get our backs out of the corner. Polo removed the suit jacket that rested on his black silk shirt. Fuck that. Let's get at the ass. Guns blazing. I don't give a fuck no more. Mecca screamed, a single tear sliding down his cheek. Money stared into space without blinking. He was a complete shock. The death of his father was very hard on him. He remained silent as his twin brother let out his frustrations. He couldn't come to grips with his father's death. Money snapped out of his daze and looked over at young Carter. It was obvious that he was his brother. He looked so much like Carter, it was unbelievable. Young Carter had thick, dark eyebrows just like his father, and he even shared his tall, lean frame. His mannerisms were even the same. He watched as young Carter rested his index finger on his temple while in deep thought, just as his father used to do. It hurt his heart that his father had an illegitimate child. The perfect image that he had of his father was somewhat tarnished by the news. How could this nigga be my brother? Daddy wouldn't step out on mama like that, Money thought as he stared at young Carter. Taryn noticed Money staring and decided to address the issue. She knew that there were other things to worry about and wanted to explain the complex situation. With tears still streaming down her face, she stood up. I want you guys to meet Carter Jones, your brother. Taryn rested her hand on young Carter's shoulder. Breeze lifted her head in confusion. She looked at her mother and then to young Carter. What? She managed to murmur. She couldn't believe what her mother was telling him. The words were like daggers to her heart. She was so busy grieving, she didn't even notice how closely young Carter resembled her papa. As she looked at young Carter, she couldn't believe her eyes. She just thought he was one of the cartel's henchmen. He looked like a younger version of her father. Oh my God, she thought as she placed her hand over her mouth. Mecca came closer to young Carter and stared him in the face while saying harshly, This ain't my fucking brother. He ain't a motherfucking diamond. Mecca gripped his pistols tighter, refusing to believe the obvious. Young Carter returned the cold stare at Mecca, not backing down whatsoever, but he still remained silent. Young Carter was respectful because he was aware that his presence presented a conflict to the diamond family. But he wasn't about to back down from anyone. And the way Mecca was gripping his pistols caused young Carter's street sense to kick in. He slowly slid his hand to his waist, where his own banger rested. He stood up so Mecca wouldn't be standing over him. Young Carter was a bit taller than Mecca, so he looked down on him, not saying a word. Mecca, he is your brother. Sit down and let me explain, Taryn yelled, trying to reason. She rushed over to Mecca as the two men stared at each other intensely. Mecca! Fall back, bro, Money said as he stood up. Mecca jumped at young Carter as if he was about to hit him, but young Carter didn't budge, not even a blink. Young Carter grinned, knowing that Mecca was trying to size him up. That's enough! Young Polo made his way over to him. Young Carter kissed Taryn on the cheek and whispered, Sorry if I caused any more heartache. I didn't come here for this. Before Taryn could even respond, he was headed for the door. Yo, wait, Polo said as he followed young Carter out. Let that bitch-ass nigga go, Mecca yelled as he continued to pace the room. It took all of young Carter's willpower not to get a Mecca, 
but he figured he would give him a pass for now. Polo caught up to young Carter just before he exited the house. Yo, young blood, hold up a minute. There's no need for me to be here. I don't even know why I came to this motherfucker anyway, young Carter stated, an incredulous look on his face. Listen, Polo placed his hand on Carter's shoulder, trying to convince him to stay. Mecca has a lot on his mind right now. The family really needs you. Look, fam, I ain't got shit to do with them. I just came to pay my respects and keep it pushing, know what I mean? Brother or not, next time homeboy stepped to me like that, I'ma rock his ass to sleep. Carter clenched his jaw. Polo took a deep breath and saw that Carter was noticeably infuriated, but he kept his composure out of respect. Young Carter reminded Polo of his late friend in so many ways. Polo looked into Carter's eyes and said, Just give me a minute to talk to... Carter cut him off mid-sentence, not wanting to hear anymore. Look, I'll be at the Marriott off South Beach until tomorrow night. With that, he left Polo standing there alone. Look, can we come to a decision that the nigga's name is Carter? Like his daddy's dead. We don't have to keep calling him Young Carter. Call him CJ if you want. Call him YC. Call him something. But don't keep calling him Young Carter because I don't want to read that out loud. Young Carter. Young Carter. Young Carter. Ugh. And they need to just... I mean, I, I appreciate them calling the guns bangers, but can we start calling them blammers? megatron side blammers. Why doesn't anybody use that? Uh, also, how don't none of these niggas recognize until their mom say something that the nigga look just like their dad and is wearing a chain with a gold cross on it? Okay, let's not get lazy here, book. You're doing good in the first three chapters. And the fourth chapter is 47 fucking minutes long. So, yeah, um, hit me up. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Leave a review on Podchaser, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, or, you know, that's really it. Those are the options I'm giving you. If you leave a review on Podchaser, it's dope because you can leave a review for separate episodes or the show as a whole. So there's that. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly do appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. Oh, and by the way, Polo wants uh, Carter to come work for him. That's that's what's going to happen somewhere down the line. Carter's probably going to end up killing Polo. Just calling my shots. Y'all heard it here. Peace. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know by now that you